Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining me this week, the legend himself, Lavender Gooms. Hey guys, we have a bevy of good days today. I'm actually pretty impressed by how loaded August 28th is. So I'm going to get right into it. First, happy National Red Wine Day. Red wine over white wine all day, unless it's wine with ice. I know, that's very trashy of me. Next day, happy National Bowtie Day. The thing I always have to relearn every time I got to do a bow tie. Third, happy Rainbow Bridge Remembrance Day. No, Mark, that is not about the race course in Mario Kart. That was my only reference. Okay. That That's what I was thinking as well. It is actually in remembrance of uh, pets who have passed before in the past. Okay. Do you have it's any not, one of those uh, old Fido's, uh, you know? It's not here nor there, but I figured out how to put my car into rainbow road mode with, in the Tesla. This car was made by a 10-year-old. Apologies, Mike. Continue. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. <laughs> And the last day, which actually does have some ties to MMA, today, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, guys, premiered Power Rangers. Happy National Power (laughs) Rangers Day. So who is your favorite Rangers, guys? This was 30 years for the, the U.S., yeah, yeah, yeah. Power Rangers. No, Sentai, uh, Super Sentai. That was like back from like right. the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's All our right. favorite Ranger? Uh, I like the, I like the, <laughs> the the Black Ranger was my. Favorite I was gonna one. say me too. It was the Black Ranger, and it was really, well, the really other cool. One. And everyone else was kind well, of a because dream. well because I fucking didn't like the Red Ranger because like let's yeah. put it this way: you're talking to a guy whose favorite Ninja Turtle is Raphael. Because yeah. I don't play this fucking goody-goody shit Leonardo does. And the Red Ranger was basically the Leonardo of the fucking, you know, Power Rangers. All right? Um, they didn't let uh, the Asian one do anything. Okay? Rest in peace. Like, she didn't do shit. Toy, toy train, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she didn't let her do shit. The blue one was just treated like a nerd. He was like Donatello, but not cool. I'm just drawing Ninja Turtle comparisons with most of these. Um, Tommy was real cool, though. Honestly, Green Ranger was real cool, but I, I don't felt like that was, was cheating. In the first one. I think that was cheating too to be like your favorite is this dude. It's just like, well, yeah, man, he's like got these more powerful than all of them combined. Like, remember when he like rolled into the Megazord and just beat everybody's ass? Like, just inside of the Megazord thing. Like, they were inside of that fucking top. He just yeah. went in there, whooped their all asses. I'm very literally the most this. literally the most iconic moments when he jumps in there <laughs> and he just automatically just starts throwing hands like he just he just decks the yellow ranger it's amazing yeah to me like Rita Repulsa was like the personification of evil I just putting that out there just just that's, that's, real that's just a pretty weighty statement she's basically the devil her and Bowser man as a child those are the two people where I'm like these motherfuckers just evil yeah mm-hmm. but for uh for kids uh well for adults our age uh that show uh, took over our our afternoons after school. 
It caused a lot of consternation and fear amongst the middle America parents because of the scourge that was martial arts at the time because kids were fucking idiots and just like kicking themselves across the head. But I particularly enjoyed Power Rangers. Um, My favorite was Kimberly because I had a crush on her. Okay. Well, that's also, yes, I I did too. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. By the way, I remember seeing the movie. Uh, the last. I don't know if that. I don't know if I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it was the last one. Maybe I'm wrong. Did they not make another one after, like the one with Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa? Was there a sequel to that? Like, did I miss that entirely? Uh, no, that was the last movie that they made. Did they not do good business with that? I thought people came out of that no. one saying like it was okay. Um, oh, it didn't sell. It, it it was not okay, and um, it didn't break. Uh, it didn't break even. Okay, well, a lot of these movies are bad. I'm saying, like, the, like no, the this sh- one was really bad. I didn't think they it was the, worse than the other. They movie. were the, they became the Power Rangers in like the last 15 minutes of the movie. I mean, okay, fair. That's fair. I can't really argue with that. <laughs> they had that, uh, they had that pop star in it. I figured they, uh, what's her name, Becky G. I thought they sold some tickets to this thing, man. No, <laughs> I, this was before Pe- Becky G. got popping, so there, there wasn't really any cachet behind that. I gotcha. All right, fair enough. And any more days, Mike? Uh, international read comics and Public Day. Uh, but I already had I'd already said four, so fair enough. And that was five. Um, well done, sir. Thank you for maintaining one of the segments in this show that we managed to maintain beyond stuff we like, because God knows fights we like has not happened in two fucking months. In our defense, there are so many fights. I don't think they've had an off week at the UFC since like fucking May. All right, I'm serious. I don't remember the last time they didn't have a UFC card on a weekend. Um, anyway, um, we're going to talk about this event this last weekend at the uh, Singapore Indoor Stadium where they got uh, 10,000 people to spend uh, $1.3 million. Just doing some quick math there. Uh, that is, uh, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of money. Just, you know, that is... People are doing, you know, they're doing well, man. They are doing quite well. In spite of their own, in spite of themselves, to be honest. If we're being honest with ourselves here. But that's just my uh, my two cents. And that's so. why they don't give a shit about what our comments are. I mean, I the only thing they should give a shit right now, the only threat to what's happening is this fucking class action lawsuit, which, yo, man, that judge carved them up in a way that I'm just like, oof. They Wait, be ready. was there was there more that came out? No, I was just since, reading more uh, about that. I, was just, I mean, there, I follow. I'm following. Um, there's two guys to follow at this point. Where my when, when I use uh, Twitter, um, it's like I'm I'm half following like random guys talking about bets, and then ran that's some MMA journalist at this point in my feed. But John Nash from Bloody Elbow, and then um, Eric McGracken is two guys. Uh, one, Eric McGracken's a lawyer. John Nash, I think, is an economist. Neither one of them does this full-time or depends on the UFC on any level for anything. So it's not like you can get their access cut off or anything. So they're just fucking just... Every day I'm reading stuff. And just uh, this whole second lawsuit, the one that Cajun Johnson's name is on, that one seems like it's going to be a problem too. So um, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about this card in Singapore though because um, sometimes, man, you get a moment at the end of a fight card and, you know, was really beautiful. Went from really violent to really beautiful, I'd say, Mike. 
the last uh you know the last few minutes of this card um especially with the crowd singing zombie that was that was excellent uh we're gonna talk about max holloway though doing max holloway things uh the zombie retiring that co-main event which i think i told you guys last week ryan span can't depend on ryan span to do anything man can't depend on ryan span to do anything uh giga chikadze came back uh talk about being broke in his post-fight interview you know have not fought in a while because he got hurt getting big win Rinya nakamura is a guy everybody's really excited about mark we should talk about him a little bit um don't know how excited we can get against him fighting somebody who got on a wikipedia page and i don't know we'll get into that uh aaron blanchfield and talia santos deserved far better than being on at 5 15 in the morning um on the west coast but we're going to get into it. First off, Max Holloway, Korean Zombie. Um, Marcus, um, feels like the Korean Zombie decided this is, I'm going to give you guys everything I have on this last one. And fight started and immediately, um, you could tell he was there to fight. Uh, what did you think of this fucking really action-packed 11 minutes of fighting? Well, I mean, to be completely honest, it's, the same zombie we've seen his entire career this is what he's built himself on this is why he's a huge superstar this is why he got the ovation i mean i think there's multiple reasons why you know he's so beloved um and the crowd really got behind it i mean there's there it wasn't official but it was more or less official that's just going to be his final fight it just made so much sense um given his opponent given the you know the area that it was going to be in what he said previously in the past and you know the performance we got was vintage korean zombie right like this and this is what you know. I was saying like this is what made him such a big star. Like this dude comes to fight every time. This is and this is why this he, for me this retirement was bittersweet. Um, I think one because I think he has a very you know interesting bittersweet story. Just like how far he came with you know his skill set and what he's able to do and how he you know came short. You know he got a couple title shots. He was never able to make it happen. But every time this dude stepped in, like he was there to fight. He was there to put on a performance to put on a show and to win that fight. You know, this was not a guy that needed the charisma that needed all the stuff outside of the octagon. Like he came in there, hands at his hips, ready to throw every fight, every fight, win, lose or draw. He gets hit. He's going to tag you back. And that's exactly what we saw in this fight with Max. And, you know, we all picked Max. I think there was very few people that thought he was going to be able to get it done here um, just because of how skilled Max is, especially on his feet. But, like, he still made it one hell of a competitive fight. He tagged Max multiple times. He got tagged himself. Um, it wasn't close. I mean, Max, I mean, they were both wearing some damage. But Max is just, like, his chins, even against Korean Zombies, a little bit better. He's a little bit crisper on the feet. He was getting a little bit better of the exchanges. Zombie was still able to wade forward and, and, and land some good shots. And, but ultimately was losing. And that, you know, that, we got uh, to the third round. The second round where he dropped Zombie and you could look like Max held mm -hmm. up. To like he thought he might be done he didn't need to like hammer him out and yeah. then he's like well let me fucking just put him in this darce which i the announcer seemed to think was fucking in and i'm not i don't know jujitsu well enough to know what was missing from it but it looked good you know from what i could see mark mm -hmm. um i was impressed with that um with every one of these fights with max max is still the best second best featherweight in the world like for sure mm -hmm. But I do feel you could hit Max a little bit more, and like he's feet. I mean, not that you could like Max was never not hittable, but like feels like he's starting to feel it a little bit more with each one of these. Like just with like the Yair one, I thought like man, Yair's really like putting it on him a little bit, and then this one too. 
I mean, granted, he's fighting. These are two people who are heavy hitters I'm mentioning. But anyway, you were mentioning. You're talking about the third round. <laughs> yeah, and then going into the third, I, I think because of that second round where he got dropped and, and you know, he kind of knew, like, look, this is – let's just make or break, you know. Um, and I think they said it in the booth, like, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. He went out insanely aggressive. Like, it, it, for a person that is very – is already pretty aggressive in his normal fights, like, he just went, like, you know, ball to the wall. Like, we're getting it done. This fight's ending in this minute. And – um you know, to his nature, literally went down swinging. Like, they were in the middle of exchange. When he fell unconscious, he was mid-throwing a punch, um, fell down to the ground unconscious. They stopped the fight. Um, and a fantastic performance, you know, just in... It, it was it was one of these things, like, you know, you could tell leading up to, you know, when he was walking in the entrance, he was really, you know, living in that moment with that walkout. I mean, and obviously I think one of the things that, that has made him such a big star is like the cranberry zombie song has just become so synonymous, you know? And, and it's funny. Cause I think a couple of weeks ago, you, me- you mentioned Bobby, like there isn't much emphasis on the presentation of the UFC on the entrances. Like we really don't hear their walkout music. There's no. really a few people will have some kind of, you know, like Izzy will put on a show or something. Sometimes someone will do something kind of unique or special, with their walkout song or something, you know, they turn off the lights for the main event, but like, there's not really like a spectacle to it. All you really have is having one song be your song. That's really all you have. It's like someone can identify, you know, I'm the California kid. I come out of California love with Ari Faber or like for us. I mean, how many times we were able to see Anderson walk out to ain't no sunshine, you know, the DMX version kind of just tie it to individual person, you know, at that point, the song. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was obviously living up there and you can kind of tell, okay, this is probably going to going to be the end. And then when he went out for the third round, it's like, okay, well, at this point, like, yeah, he kind of went for broke. Um, he went out on his shield, you know, what, what, what better way, you know, and in, at least in Japanese, you know, combat sports, like I've always heard the notion that like, yeah, when you retire, it's supposed to be off a loss. It's supposed to be like, look, I can't, I can't fight at this level anymore. I'm going to give it up. Like you don't, you don't retire off a win. So it just made everything just kind of fit perfectly and made sense. And it was also, you know, leading up to the match was like, man, what, what a perfect, you know, we talked about so many weeks, like there's so many of these fighters that have these personalities that are kind Our of dickheads. And you, yeah. And then you have these two guys where it's like, these guys are just, these are just warriors. These are just dudes that get in the cage and put on fantastic performances. Max and Korean zombie. There's not a bad thing you can say about either of these guys. It's just, you know, yeah, bread into no them. one has anything bad to say about either of these two guys. I literally saw a clip the other day. Uh, you know, you go on Instagram, they got the algorithm. So I swipe, they're getting showing me MMA clips and they showed me Max talking about fighting Connor the time they fought when they were both like fucking right. 23 um, yeah. mm-hmm. and like whatever they were. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, I had like, like he says, Connor was trying to like, uh, he says, I was trying to get Connor into like half and into, back into full guard or Connor was trying to get into half guard, which the idea that Connor was working a whole top ground game on max now in retrospect, is kind of weird, but like, he's like, I heard Connor's like get hurt. And he, they show the clip of like Connor, his knee going right. Connor tore his ACL. And he's like, I, then I asked Connor, hey, man, you, like, he's like, I heard him make a noise, which the clip showed too. And then he's like, and then I asked him like, Hey man, are you okay? And he's like, and then Connor was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Like, you can see, I'm okay. You can see them talking during the actual fight. Like, even mm-hmm. Connor talks about how, like, how much respect he has for Max. And Connor's an asshole to everybody. You know, and he's out there after the fight talking about, you know, everybody raised, you know, clap for the Korean zombie. And, hey, man, let's all donate money to fucking Maui, you know, and, like, stuff like that. And, fuck, Mike, has anything ever, anybody ever said anything bad about the Korean zombie before at all? Like, 
Uh, didn't Brian Ortega have a little beef Bri with Brian him? Brian Ortega slapped one of his friends. It wasn't even like Korean zombies. Korean zombies are like, well, I guess we got to fight. You slapped my friend. Like, um, uh, that That's about the only type of heat I think the Korean zombie has ever had. Uh, someone else getting into some issues with a fighter. Did you uh, Did you stay through the, like, I called you, like, before the third round. I think it was somewhere, either the end of the second round-ish, I called you, and I'm like, hey, man, these guys are having a real fight. Um and uh, did you stay through the post-fight interview and the uh, him walking back to the octagon? Walking back to the octagon? Back to, back to the back, 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 backstage. After, basically, when Zombie announced his retirement and the crowd sang Zombie for him. Not the whole thing. Um, I was busy making curry, but after the fight, I stayed. Well, I kept watching when he did the interview, and I started walking away when after about... 30, 40 seconds of him having put down his gloves and he was kneeling over to them. Like, oh, okay, so we're just doing like the Sarty thing. All right, I'm going to go start doing shit now. So, no, I didn't catch the rest. Man, Marcus, I got like emotional. Like, between him, like, just yeah. doing the fucking, him laying there with the gloves out there first got me. And then the fucking crowd is, is singing his song. And then he's hugging his wife and crying. And I was just like, man, this guy, like, this guy gave us everything he had. I mean, yeah. plenty of guys do. It's not specific to him, but like, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. We saw this dude's entire, like, like he came up and became famous really in the fight you and Stefan went to. That fight with uh, Leonard well, Garcia, right? I want to say, like, I, I'm... You guys are there uh, for the twister? No, the first no, one. No, that was the second fight. The one where he got robbed. Oh. His second fight, he got oh. twisted. Mm -hmm. I, I'll say, like, I'm very fortunate that, like, I had 30 seconds before he got popular that, like, oh, I knew. Because yeah. I saw him in Sengoku... He was in the Sengoku. There was like a 145 or 155 tournament that he was part of. And, I mean, he was just another dude. Like, there's a lot of Asian fighters. Chang Sung Jong was just another guy. And I don't even know if he had the moniker Korean Zombie. I think they gave it to him during that three-fight stint in that tournament. And, I mean, just like everyone else did in that Leonard Garcia fight, you see one of his fights, you instantly remember who the fucker is. And, like, oh, this is someone to remember. So, me and Steph were at that WEC event, and... I don't know if I looked at the card. I might have even seen his name. You told us you're like, it. you're like, hey, don't miss this. Like Mike and I were watching it. Mike and I were watching the in the crowd, and I'm like, it's Leonard Garcia, and I knew who he was. Like Ching, I was like, oh, holy shit! Like I didn't know he was fucking in WC. He's in Sengoku, and I was telling Steph like, dude, we're about to, we got a treat on our hand yeah. right now. Like this is gonna be fucking good. And I mean, you know as well as I mean, we we all know at this point because we we've seen enough guys come up. Like, you never know. You you, you see someone in another organization, especially like somewhere like Sengoku. You know, it's on another part of the country. How they perform there, the rule sets very different. You know, are they going to be able to come over into a place like the WEC and, and put on those same performances? And that first Leonard Garcia fight, you know, in a losing effort that I think you know a lot of people think he, he won. I thought he won that fight. Everybody with eyes thought he won. In fairness. Instant, I mean, but but instant fan favorite, right? Like from from that, and I think that's what makes this guy so internationally popular. Is like it doesn't take you a couple times to see this guy fight. You watch any one of his fights, and you're like, oh, this guy is fun to watch. I need to remember his name. So yeah, I remember being in the stands. I, I really think Dana White has a really special place in his heart for Zombie, also because people don't remember that was the WEC pay per view. And it used to really matter, like, they believed, like, especially back then, the fights we put on on, fr on the free, we, we only got a, some pre prelims back then, remember? Like, it wasn't like we got every prelim. So the prelim we put on Spike TV is going to be the thing that sells people on this pay-per-view. And I remember, like, 
I have a very distinct memory of like I was living with Mike and our friend Sal, and I were watching this, and Mike's watching it with me, and I was just like, I knew Mike Mike was gonna go out. I remember. And I, like, made a decision right then. I'm like, when this fucker's over, I am paying for this pay-per-view. I don't give a fuck if it's by myself. Like, I am paying to watch, like, this, like, like, I think that was a very big deal, Mark. I really think that fight, that because that pay-per-view is, that pay-per-view success, they sold 175,000 buys, which doesn't sound like a lot. But the WEC was essentially a two-person show in terms of anybody knowing anybody. It was like Uriah Faber yeah. and, like, at that point, Jose Aldo. And they, the reason they were fighting each other. Like, that was everybody's interest in that promotion, like... The other prelim fight was that they aired was Anthony Pettis versus Mike. You'll appreciate this. Actually, Alex Caralexis, the actual guy named Alex Caralexis. Whoa, there's an the, actual guy named actual, Alex Caralexis. Yeah, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Yes. I didn't just make him up. It's not just a guy Mark made oh, up. Oh shit! <laughs> so like, this was a huge deal, and so I think I really think like I remember Dana White. Remember when Dana the shirt he wore made like meant something? Like I remember the next UFC weigh-ins, he was wearing the Korean Zombie like T-shirt, and he right. used to like this is what people like Dana White. Well. Most now, I think some people still do, in fairness to him. But, like, we all kind of, like, generally appreciated what he was doing. We're like, oh, man, sure. that's a sign that, like, Korean Zombie is going to be. And it was, like, one of the best MMA shirts ever made. And apparently he got fucked over on the royalties, unfortunately. Yeah. But, like, that was a big deal. And, like, he was, you know, man, he got the two title shots. He got the two title shots and it didn't go well. Like, But, like, fuck it. I, I probably would say, and I'm not sure, maybe they're, I mean... Maybe Fedor or something, but like he's probably probably even more. He's probably one of the most famous fighters that doesn't speak a lick of English, right? Like I think he's probably the most notable fighter that had yeah. never learned English or anything like that. I mean, I was not just a thinking fucking about word, like, like not yeah. a fucking and, I mean, word. <laughs> yeah, and he never really. You know, it's like him and Aldo, from, maybe. I think Aldo says a fuck. Aldo, Aldo, maybe recently has tried to say a few words, but like it's maybe. kind of those dudes. Like he, the, yeah. po the posters just say zombie. It said Holloway versus zombie. You know. When, yeah, you're, when your nickname you... becomes, it replaces your actual name, you've reached a level of, like, when they can just put Rampage up on the fucking poster, you know, when they can put just Zombie up on the poster, sure. that means something, you know? One day we're going to get Bobby Knuckles just written there. Knuckles. <laughs> people yeah. think people think it's going to be a fucking Sonic thing. Like, this dude's going to come out wearing red. <laughs> it's going to beat this dude's ass. <laughs> um, Mike, I, Mike I, I, I need Max to get out of this way, class. Like, I, like... We're we're like wasting what's left of before because Max's style is gonna eventually like I know Max is younger than all of us like I want to say Max is like thirty four maybe I, I could don't be even wrong. think he's that old hey, oh, come on man like I feel I've been watching Max since like twenty ten how how young could he fucking be um fuck me he's thirty one okay there you go <laughs> he's thirty one okay like. I know the last time he went at 155, he lost to Dustin Poirier, and he got, like, look, he got cracked in the first round and really couldn't recover much, but, like, man, he's five foot, what, 11? Six foot tall? He's 5'11"? Five, five foot 11, Like, yeah. he's big enough to be a lightweight. If he, like, is he working under the assumption Alex is going up? Like, that, I, I, like I know the competitor in him thinks he can win enough, and he's going to get a fourth crack at Alex, but that's just not going to happen. Like each one of these is getting more one sided. Like we gotta get this dude up, right? Like we gotta get they gotta offer him something at one fifty five that's like, Hey man, you go up, we're gonna let you fight like one time and you get a title shot. Or fuck, you I probably could give him a I title mean, shot, shit. actually. Like, what's there? If, <laughs> if he thinks that Alex is going up, if anything, that's reason for him to stay in the division. Because if Alex is going up to one fifty five, guess what? 
then Max Holloway can become a three-time champion for the UFC. Yeah, but like because I saw some insane stat. What was it? He is nineteen and zero against all other featherweights. He huh? is zero and three against Max Holloway. Alex, oh, not Max Holloway, uh, Alex Volkanovsky. Yeah, he's like, dude, Max is incredible, and like I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at like I'm totally serious. Like if they tell him like, hey man, you go up, you know, you win one, we promise you a title shot. Or honestly. If they gave him a title shot, I don't think it would be the most unfair thing in the world, to be honest. Given, you know, how the legacy, the like, the, his, given that this isn't even a meritocracy, fuck it, they don't have to justify it. Like, Marcus, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think he should, I mean, I get why, like, look, I'm not gonna, like, if he wants to be a champion, is not happening in this weight class, as long as Alex is there. And at this point, he's fought everybody else. There's a lot of fun fights for us to watch at 155 with him. A lot of, a lot of fun fights. Yeah, I mean, he's in, in, extremely difficult situation because i mean i think you're right i think with a lot of other guys going up to 55 i mean look you're right i mean they could just give him the title shot i think the problem is is like 55 is a very talent rich division that's also just been held up with a lot of this old guard there's a lot of young blood that have been doing a lot of moves that kind of warrant getting that kind of attention so but it is like you know it is the ufc they'll, they'll do whatever they want they want to put him in there against um you know whoever the champion is at the time like they can absolutely do that, you know, and he, and he would have, you know, earned it because of what he's done at 145. But yeah, I think there, you know, Alex is just kind of this big, heavy head, you know, this big obstacle. And, and it's true. Like, look, will they give him a fourth fight at some point? They might have to because he's kill, he'll kill all the contenders and they'll just have to do it. Like, but is that fight competitive or interesting or does it sell? Personally, I'm not that interested in it. Right. We've seen it three times. It's gone progressively worse kind of you know i mean i think the second was the second the second fight was the closest one the third one the was, second was one was the one i actually right. thought he won it was very close but like right. a lot of people thought he actually won the second one third one yeah. alex left no doubt alex alex was almost right. offended that they're like i gotta beat him three times you're gonna make me fight this guy three times fine yeah you i'm, gonna, make a stamp his, on I'm it. gonna put it yeah mm-hmm. yeah so he's in he's in just a really tough position i mean but i agree with you like as a fan i'd love to see him go up to 55 because there is like you said there's a lot of fun fights there you talk about the chandlers and, and a rematch Dude, just book him and gaichi him and gaichi winner gets a title shot come on i mean i was thinking when you're saying like if you want to entice him like you put that stupid bmf belt on there you know okay fine sure go ahead do something dumb like that um it does become a little weird because he did i, I think that loss to dustin might have kind of curtailed a little bit of those aspirations maybe he doesn't feel like that weight move really benefits him as much because you're right like height wise he's good for 55 but he has always been kind of a lengthy you know not very kind of you know built individual like i feel like maybe he thinks he would need time to kind of build a lot more muscle mass to try to I mean, be that able was to also four years that ago power. that was four years ago believe it or not too that, that was april like 29th was I, dude the time is flying i just saw it, yeah. it was two, two years two days ago was the sixth anniversary of connor versus uh Mayweather sixth that's wild it's a wild yeah. thing I don't know I just think like there's a lot of fun we could have with him man and I I love sure. Max Holloway yeah. Max Holloway is gonna be is gonna you know he's one of the greats he really is and um I mean there was a point where Charles Oliveira was the, was the world champion at 155 Max beat him remember Max hit him mm-hmm. and Charles was just like oh it was, it was yeah I mean I mean then again like four years ago is when he lost to Dustin so I think I think I mean we don't have a conversation with it. If the UFC had any sort of foresight, they'd be having this conversation with him. But why Why would you do anything, I guess, when you're them? Um, we don't have to dive in too much into the fights themselves, this next fight, quite frankly, because we don't know where these guys really are. But Anthony Smith, Ryan Spann, um, 
I think Ryan Spann's gonna start looking at how he treats his career, man. Because like I remember when he, we Mike and I saw him fight live, and he got he got a knockout over um, what's his name, the tall guy that should be Jones, Dominic, Dominic, Reyes. Dominic Reyes, and he smoked him, and he was just like, man, this is the first fight I've like trade full time for, and I'm just gonna tra- actually train all the time now, and yada yada yada, and it's just like and then he went out there, and I think he lost to uh, Nikita Krylov. He got finished in like three and a half minutes, and I'm like, oh, there we go. We're back to being Ryan Spann, getting tapped out early in fights. And then, like, this one, like, it was right there for him, Mark. I'm not, look, it was a close fight. He could have won the decision, but, like, there were, like, Anthony Smith was laying there after getting cracked, like, hey, man, you hit me two more times. I'm going to turtle and we're done. Like, and then Ryan Spann wasn't doing anything. Like, it almost like he thought he won the fight based on that one exchange, I thought. Maybe I'm being mm-hmm. a little harsh. What do you think? I really thought he should have won this fight. Like, he really fought not intelligently, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the second round, he hurt him really bad, like you said. And it and it either was like he thought he had it in the bag because, it, I mean, maybe he thought the – there could have been some like, oh, I don't want to push too hard. This, guy, this guy's eye is really bad. And he basically – he cracked him with a good – I think it was a left hand that hit his mm-hmm. right eye, and his eye was swelling up really bad. Um, he went in for a flying knee, tried to go for the finish. You know, Anthony Smith is a really tough veteran and was able to kind of power through it. And then it's either like, yeah, he was – he thought maybe the you know they'd stop it in between rounds or I mean to to Anthony Smith's credit like as a as a wounded animal like dude was still throwing some hard shots every now and then so maybe Ryan was like okay I don't want to get over aggressive and just walk into something stupid but you know come the third round where it was very much like we don't you know the doctor's not going to stop it I mean and they gave a fucking exam but Anthony was, she was asking a lot of que- like who who was it? Michael Bisping was saying like man if this was a doctor when I fought Dan Henderson I would have lost that title <laughs> I mean just- she did like three different like you know my own like two fingers three fingers one finger this up that she did very thorough um but he passed you know he could see through the eye and that third round you know like he just didn't push to, to get the win, you know, and Anthony was obviously very hurt and compromised and I think Span was too I guess like he had taken a lot of low kicks and I like that. that. I really like Anthony doing that. I thought Anthony was looking good before he got cracked. Actually, I was impressed with right. that change in his style because uh, that was a big yeah, criticism. But at the end of the fight, I think it was like the last 10 seconds, you know, Ryan Spann like threw a big heel kick, you know, like he still had the energy left to, to try to push the fight. That's what, that's what annoyed me, to be honest, because uh, I was sitting there. I'm just and, like, man, you had all this left. <laughs> and then the thing that kind of bugged me was like, OK, after because it was a very I mean, honestly, I, I think this is a draw you know like nothing happened in that third round i think in an ideal world it's like they, they had one apiece and no one did anything in the third a draw seems like the most adequate decision here but really like it's like ryan should have at the very least with the energy he had raised his hands at the end of the fight like sell yourself that you won yeah. this fight because he, i think he obviously would have the crowd the crowd was behind him because anthony smith damage wise was so compromised with his eye like it, it looked so bad he does not look like a winner at the end of the fight with as much facial damage. So if he would have just pushed that, like, okay, I won the fight, that might have been able to push a judge over the edge. Um, I, but he did. You could just see it. I mean, when the announcers are like, yeah, I think we're headed towards a split decision, which I was like, yeah, that's... I'm like... Yeah. I, I, part of me was just like, man, like... Because Anthony, does, Anthony doesn't have a lot, a lot lot left. Like, Anthony's does a lot of, like... The internet makes fun of how bad his takes are on some stuff as a commentator and, like, his like his desk work. But, like, he's out there doing stuff. Like... He's old, honestly. Like in fight years, he's a hundred years old. He's only thirty-five, but like, man's got fifty-five records. Fifty-five fucking yeah. fights. I'm, I'm amazed to hear he's only thirty-five. Yeah, I mean, like, by the Ryan Span, he Anthony Smith only had two wins by decision. Like, I'm just saying, like he only had two wins by decision. Like, I mean, thinking Ryan Span don't win decisions either. 
By the way, me losing uh, the under one and a half rounds on this one. I had a bet on under one. I had Anthony Smith by the by uh, finish, and then I heard Anthony. I heard them say Anthony Smith said he wants to you know try to like test some stuff out of this fight. And I'm just like, real quick, I'm just gonna bet on Anthony Smith to win regular because uh, this this is not sounding good. Um, big win for Giga Chikadze, man. Um, I thought uh the big difference in this one was that his you could see the impact of his strikes more. Because on paper, they had, like, the same number of strikes. Um, but there was no doubt who won it. And Alex, man, Alex is Alex is so tough. I mean, Mike, I know you picked him because you like Alex Caceres in general. But I really yeah. thought, he was a li- I thought he was a live dog, really. I thought I thought he added, he, especially he fought with a broken arm, like, for most of this fight. Like, he uh, he really, he, gave, he, he put up a really good fight. You know, I didn't think he was going to win or he deserved a decision. But, Mark, I thought he did a good job in this. Dude, like that's the thing with Alex is just like he doesn't get enough recognition for how he fights because he's so fucking good. Who uses Jeet Kune Do? Yeah. Who legitimately uses this style <laughs> of martial arts and is as successful as he is? I mean, part of it is too is that, and I feel like one of his shortcomings, at least in this fight, is just like he's also a really good grappler. Like he's really going. How is he still getting maybe, better? It feels like he's getting better still at this stage in yeah, his career. So it's, it's wild. Just, it just. It just sucks. I mean, I think Gigo, I mean, and I agree with you, Bob, like he just, this dude just hits a little bit harder. He had a little bit cleaner shots, but it's not like Alex was like out of his depth in this fight, especially with someone like Giga, who I don't know where he's ranked at, but like he's high up there mm-hmm. at featherweight. You know, he had, he was off for two years and obviously Alex has been on the come up doing really well. Um, but Alex is just, he, he's kind of, I mean, not, not to put comparisons like the Korean zombie, but like when, when he decides to, to hang it up when he's done, it's really going to be a loss because like, I feel like this sport has gotten really formulaic with like how people have kind of matured and kind of like, there's lots of small little nuances and evolution, but like we've, there's just a couple of fighters that have taken just completely different approaches to striking and combat. And he's one of them, like the way he moves and fights and just like, and the, I mean, it's just fun to watch him. Dude has yeah. fun in there. Dude, he smiles he, the whole time. Even when he's getting cracked. I'm serious. Um, he was, um, so when he, I remember him losing, and he like he engaged in a grappling. He, he engaged Cron Gracie in grappling, and I remember thinking, just... "This is the dumbest fucking idea this dude's ever had." Like, what what is this plan? Because I'm like, we don't know if this guy can throw a fucking punch. Um, and you're like out here doing this shit. Um, since that fight, which made him 14 and 12, like he's now 21 and 14. Like in and he, I think that's it coincided with um, him joining a different gym because uh, he was still at the lab. I think I think that was his last fight at the lab. And the lab's a great gym. I'm not saying it's the lab's fault, but it was clear like he moved like to some gym in Florida, and I think he's from Florida. Um, and I think it did wonders for him just in terms of like him getting himself on track because he's like Mike. He's still getting better. I do. I think every fight, I still think, man, Alex Caceres is getting better. Doesn't mean he's gonna become champion ever, but I think it's impressive. Thirty five fights into his career. And at age 35, he's still fucking getting better. You know, um, he was someone who I think got to like the semifinals of his season of the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, He's been in the UFC, I think, about 12 years at this point. He came in very young, which is why he's only like 35. And hey, who doesn't break his arm? Who knows what happens in this fight? Yeah, man. I I mean, Mark said it, right? I. In a world where they're pumping these cards out, someone like Alex is very valuable. You know, he's... Guys like him, I think, like, I don't know. There's so many cards now, but, like, 
you know, like a Spencer Fisher type. You know, uh, what was the Hands of Stone guy's name? Uh, Stout? Was there another one? Sam. Yeah, Sam, Sam Stout. Stout. Another one. Like, I, like Alex is that kind of guy who gives this company 20 fucking fights. He might be giving them more than 20 fights, actually. Um, He's given them 28 fights. Damn. Probably making 60 and 60. Um. Yeah, I got to bring the conversation back to that. My bad. Uh, Rinya Nakamura. Mark, I was just like, I thought he looked good, but I'm just like, you should put this guy away. I know how tough the guy was. I know how tough Fernie was, but I'm like, and like when Fernie's corner is trying to convince him not to give up, like somewhere, I think it was after the second round or middle of the second, something like that. I was just like, like I'm all for big pep talks, but this guy should have been put away a couple different times, I thought. Um, he kept putting him in north, south, and like at one point he went for the... Uh, I'm going to call it a dragon sleeper. I don't care if it's called the north-south choke. That's a dragon sleeper to me. Um, that was like the one time I thought he was going for like, I don't know. I thought he, like, he, he should have put him away. I thought like this was supposed to be a showcase and I mean, he won one hand, like pretty single-handed, pretty like dominantly. But what do you think? Am I being too harsh? Uh, uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, I do think, one, I was playing Vampire Survivor during this fight, so it didn't get my full attention. But it definitely was one of these things where it's just like, anytime it seemed like he's like, okay, like, one, his wrestling, I mean, I think the skills he put on display kind of shows a lot of the hype. Like, this dude's wrestling is insane. Like, this dude's ground control is really good. And then even when they're standing up, like, sometimes he'd be standing and be like, okay, like, probably needs to, you know, take it down. And he'd crack the dude. He's like, okay, this guy, you, you know, I'm not going to say he's Bo Nichols, but, like, he has all the attributes that you would want in a prospect. Like, he's extremely good everywhere. It, it was a little frustrating that he wasn't able to, to get the finish. But it was one of these things where I'm just looking at what he was doing in there. It's like, yeah, this guy is like his wrestling, his his striking, like everything's kind of on point. And, you know, for a guy that we don't really know, you should probably put him away. It would be but it didn't seem like he was toying with him. I mean, it, it didn't seem like he wasn't trying to, um, you know, he just couldn't get those angles for a lot of those submissions and chokes. And they were non, you know, like north south chokes. You don't see a lot of people get caught in. Yeah. Kimura's and straight arm bars, which he was going for a lot, are kind of tough to get. Um, so, I mean, these weren't like the traditional rear naked chokes, chokes and guillotines that a lot of people perfect over the years. And maybe he needs to work on like, yeah, solidifying these like these submission moves. I can catch people in and I know three different ways well, to adjust let's it. Let's call legit. in Ultimo Dragon and just say like, this is how you <laughs> slap on that dragon sleeper. This is how I beat Yuji Nagata in 97, you know. It'll work for yeah. you in 23. No problem. Yeah. Um, it was a good performance, but... I don't yeah, no, disagree. the kid... The, I, I just... It's hard to tell. Like, when, like, you're watching these dudes, like, ice someone who has no business. Then, like, he was, like, a minus 900 favorite or something like that. And I'm just like, how much can I really get out of this at a certain point beyond I'm like... It's not like he's fighting a grappling dummy. Like, Fernie Garcia will whoop my ass and the ass of everybody I know, you know, without taking a break. But, like, you know, it's like, where's the... How am I supposed to gauge like all the all the good stuff he was sure. doing technique wise? You know, all right. Aaron Blanchfield, Talia Santos, uh, Mike. Our girl Aaron has got an unlimited gas tank. I think was my takeaway from this. One takeaway mm-hmm. was that she did not get tired. The second one is she needs to start being a little bit start working on Plan B, where she can't get the girl down because I think she went. She didn't get her down, right, Mark? Like I think she. Well, there was the it point was where only... Talia like p- tried to get a takedown and fucked up and ended up on her back, and yep. I was like, "That was the only time." I'm she like, was "That able was so stupid." Like Talia really fucked that one up. Um, 
I was impressed with Aaron's tank. I thought Aaron should really like, but Aaron's got to like Mike. Aaron's got to like, I mean, she's young as hell. There's still plenty of she time is to, to like 24 years old. And yeah, to your point, yeah, she does need to round out the rest of her skills, but she's still young. Uh, that's not to say she probably isn't doing that. She doesn't seem like she's uh, stupid by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we just haven't had any reason to see her stand up for the most part because she's just able to get them down pretty easily. So um, when the day comes, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, um, she probably wants a title. She said it. She wants a title shot, which is hard <laughs> not to give her one when she just beat the woman who almost took the title off of Valentina. You know, it was a thing. It was a split loss for her there. I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends who's the champion after uh, UFC Noche, as what they're calling this sure. event, with Valentina versus Alexa. But I don't know. I I, I did not come out of it. I, I, I kind of came out of this one saying, like, okay, maybe she's not just going to bulldoze whoever wins that fight. You know, we might actually, like, she may not win. You know, she may not be ready necessarily to win that fight, depending on who it is. Yeah, we saw some deficiencies, right? I mean, so far, most of her fights, her stand-up has been good enough to to crack the other girls, get them in compromising uh, positions, to win to some decisions, which she's done in the past, or get them to the ground. And it's really, her ground game is such a fundamental part of her success that you saw it in this fight. You know, when Santos was able to defend those, it was a lot of clinch work. And I mean, to Blanchfield's credit, like you said, the tank was there. You know, she was able, in the late rounds, was able to continue to push that pace. And I was kind of surprised, you know, she was able to physically, you know, compete with Santos, who's a lot, you know, looks a lot stronger, right? She's a lot more built, you know, Blanchfield's a little softer. I, I feel like these are some areas that hopefully she goes back to and is like, okay, you know what I really need to work on is multiple transitions for takedowns um, off the cage. You know, she, she was really good at getting up against the cage. Um, she was, she got her under the hips a couple times, but Santos was really good digging those underhooks and getting her back up, which ultimately wore her down a bit. But she needs to kind of be able to drive into that second and third attempt, give those multiple angles where these girls aren't going to be able to, you know, trick, you know, sometimes in the wrestling game, it's not just you can shoot for a single or a double and get under the hips and get it. Sometimes, you know, you look at like the high level wrestlers and you have to pull multiple angles going from singles to doubles and changing your angles and, and throwing your opponent off. And it's a lot like jujitsu. Like a lot of times it is diversions and playing the game of where like you need, you need to make them think you're going for one thing when you're setting up something else. And a lot of it was she couldn't, you know, get under the the center of mass. She couldn't trip out the legs. So it was a lot of clinch work, you know, and, and but to her credit, she was able to get it done against a yeah. really tough opponent. Right. So like at the end of the day, it's like, this wasn't the, the the greatest performance. It definitely, I think for all of us kind of put like, okay, she's not this uncredible buzzsaw. That's just going to be able to just like, you know, demolish everyone in this division. She's probably going to have some problems with a Valentina. She might have some problems with Alex uh, Grasso, you know, because like those girls, you know, are going to be a little bit more suited. I mean, for yeah, some of the things. to be clear, there wasn't any question who won this fight. Like she lost no, one round, round, round one, and then she won the next two. Like pretty yeah. clearly is what, because I mean, not that Talia is not in good shape, but Talia was like, Talia went five rounds with Valentina. She looked pretty fucking right. tired at the end of this one, though. Like, yeah, it was a you know, that was, that was, you know, a little different for her there. Um, give the woman a title shot, huh, Mike? Yeah. Stop denying her. Yeah. Uh, Junior, Tafa, Parker Porter. You put those Tafa boys on a, on a card mark. Fight's got about a six-minute timer on it. So I real quickly yeah. was like, I'm going to go ahead and take Justin Taffa in the first round. 
And then 90 seconds later, I was like, hey, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. No real question there. He cracked him. Um, the yeah, other Taffer brother, done. I think the other Taffer brother's fighting in Australia. Um, yeah. Which, you know, maybe we wanted to save this guy for fighting in Australia. But what what do I know? What What do I know? You know, maybe it's smart to book every Australian you have in the cards leading up to the actual Australia card. And then the Australia card. You know it's not a good card when Kai Kara France getting hurt, no offense to him, is is devastating to the quality of the main card. Like, it yeah, is devastating to the quality of that main card, losing uh, Kai Kara France. Um, I didn't catch any of these prelim fights. Um, yeah. All the finishes were down there, though, apparently, on the prelims. Uh, UFC, I don't know if this is their first time in Singapore. I'm actually almost certain it isn't. Mm, no. Yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. Holly Holm headlined the. Wasn't there? Was that? Wasn't there like a problems. fight also? Like, was this the one where um Homeboy had the uh, questionable betting advice too? Was this the James Cross one or not? Ooh, was, I think it may have been. They said that the the first time they were there was like I think it was the first time they did a fight pass card. They had a little oh, video okay. package. So longer than that. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, Zombie, when they showed him entering the arena, he was wearing a seven hundred dollar Balenciaga T shirt. And I was just like, Zombie's a goddamn superstar. He's like, I'm going out wearing my nicest fucking t-shirt. A t-shirt's so nice, you can't wrap your head around how much I paid for this fucking t-shirt. Um, I feel like considering this is his last big payday, um, financial planning, I think, would did dictate maybe don't get a it just, shirt. It just expensive. said, like, I think it just said Singapore and then Balenciaga, which I think that's telling you everything. They're saying everything that shirt needs to say. I am here. This is how you know I paid too much money. Okay. Uh, by the way, Teixeira and Prohaska, uh, fight of the year last year, took place in Singapore. That was that free one. That was the one where we wondered what that was. We were shocked that they gave us a numbered card for free. I guess given how time this shit uh, airs, would be it makes sense. Um. Anyway, um. All right, UFC's back next week. Um, in France. Um, as my brother put it, man. What did Gon do to deserve being bumped down to the fucking uh, fight nights? And I had to explain to him how they don't care. And this is just, uh, we're filling dates, man. <laughs> he's, also, he's also he's French. the main event. He's also French, in, yeah. In France, so it's not like it's like the worst thing. There's not a I mean, they're sending the best they got for you. France, man. They're sending him her, and uh, him and Manon Friero. Uh, given how these two fights go, this might be the end of the UFC in France, quite frankly. Um, before we do that, uh, a little bit of news. Uh, Sean O'Malley got a tattoo that said champ and then the word uh, 2020 then, then uh, just said champ and then in Roman numerals 2023 Classy. so uh, right on you know hey man I've come to the conclusion with with uh, with O'Malley that like um, I appreciate how he fights he's a very talented fighter I like how he does what he does I do not think his appeal is uh, outside of the cage is targeted towards me in any way. Um, I just, it doesn't, none of it lands for me on any level. Um, nothing he's doing. Not that I hate it. There's just a lot of it. I'm just like, well, it's clearly I'm not the audience for this. Kind of feeling real old manish when I say this, Mark, but I really believe, I just don't think this guy's targeting me as a potential fan <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I get that. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I did listen to his podcast after he won because I did, I, I watched the countdown and they showed a little bit of the podcast. They're like, oh, next week, We'll have the belt right here. And I was like, yeah, fat chance, bro. <laughs> and then I was like, well, the belt's there. I'd definitely check out that podcast now because he definitely called it. And it, and honestly, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Like I didn't, but I get it. Like 
there, there's some things about I think it's weird that he they really don't talk about uh, Marab like at all. Like they almost like go out oh. of the way not to mention. Dude, when, when they when they like, when they act, when him and Aljo ran into each other at the fight at the at the PI, there was that thing. Wasn't like, Marab there? And Marab was there. Yeah. And I, you could look like Sean was doing his best not to make eye contact with the man who stole his jacket or yeah. took his. Yeah, um, it's, it's just kind of, but like personally, it's like I, I feel like he's for me personally. I think it's fine. Like I think I think their story's interesting and stuff like that. But like I'm not. I'm yeah, not I mean, part of the sugar I mean, show. Like, he himself, I, 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 I'm just I appreciate like, what he's doing. I mean, the whole thing where like the sugar commission says I won that and stuff. I mean, it was funny the first time, but at this point, I'm just like, I hope you realize. I mean, he's not an idiot though. I've come to that conclusion. He's not a dumb person. The way. He, he was talking about how good Aljamain is and how he was like speaking honestly about yeah. how nervous he was and all that stuff. Like, could I do without him saying his wife is Mexican, so he's now the fourth UFC Mexican champion? I could do without that. Yes, I could. Um, I think. See, I think some of these things you catch more than yeah. With your net well, than I, I mean, because so. the fucking people tell me, and then like you know, I could do a better. I could do you know better than seeing him standing there next to Andrew Tate. I could do better. I could enjoy. Granted, yeah, I see, saw these are all things I don't know. I so, saw, yeah. saw Aljamain Sterling, Sterling take the same picture, and I'm just like, all right, everybody's awful. Um, so anyway, um, he got a tattoo, face tattoo. Colby Covington still not allowed to fight in Madison Square Garden because John Jones said you're not allowed to. Still bringing me great joy with each of that. I'm starting to feel bad that Leon Edwards is missing out on a paycheck in, in this calendar year because of that. Because um, I think Leon Edwards would have liked to uh, get that John Jones rub on his pay-per-view points. Yeah. Um, Connor and Connor wants to fight in December. There's that. There's a on fight pass. They have like it written at UFC 276. It was like a. They're saying it was an accident or something. Or depending on the right person you talk to, you ask, they think it's a spoiler that they haven't listed UFC 276 McGregor versus Chandler, which is February 16th. I'm sorry, December 16th. And uh, Sean O'Malley said that I told Connor I'm going to co-main event that card while he main events it, which is an expensive fucking, uh, that's going to be an expensive ticket in Las Vegas if they got McGregor and O'Malley on there. Just putting that out there. But I mean, I don't think. I don't know, man. Do you give a shit if he does anybody give a shit if he passes two drug tests at this point? Does anybody have any faith in Usada? Like, they caught a guy like a couple weeks ago, Mark. That like when they got when he got caught, I think you were like, "Well, that hasn't happened in a while." Um, like who was it? Uh, someone got Osterine. Daniel so, Rodriguez. Right? Yeah, he had Osterine in his system, and I'm like, dude. And then there was the 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 lady that beat Holly Holm. Oh, yeah, she had the she had the ADD right? drug in her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These other dudes are yoked to the gills, but the girl with the girl with the ADD drugs popping. And it's just like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I don't, I don't know who's pissing in bottles and stuff. They could tell me he's been in the pool for the last three months. How would I know? I'm not looking dude, at the what, official what, record. Anymore. Dude, have Chandler sign something so they don't get sued like the Mark Hunt case. And also, Mark Hunt's not even winning that case. So, yeah. of all the, loss, <laughs> like of all the lawsuits they have ahead of them right now, this is a small issue. Okay, just book the fucking fight. Okay, just book it. Michael Chandler's owed this paycheck, guys. All right. Michael Chandler groveled and talked about how great Connor was until they gave him this fight. Let him get the paycheck that comes with this fight, or don't. You know, yeah. and just call just you know call Nate up and uh, that we'll do that instead. Uh, Sam Alvey signed with uh, Karate Combat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't entirely know what Karate Combat is. I think Boss Rutten though is. You haven't seen Karate Combat. <laughs> Is it a new thing? Because I think Boss Rutten's evolved now. No, it's it's been a while. For, it's been around for a while. Oh. They have this weird. I mean, it's it, it's these dudes. They have the karate gi pants on. It's like an all striking thing, but their 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 little ring is weird because it's like a flat mat, and then it goes up diagonally. So like as they're getting close to the corners, they kind of like 
get bogged up on the side. It's it, it's kind of cool. Like I got, but it it was very weird to see Sam Alvey, who I always thought was more of a wrestler type. And he's like, oh no, Sam's been doing karate his whole career. Like, okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, they probably should try to get Wonder Boy when Wonder Boy leaves. Uh, when that wraps up, uh, Wonder Boy still trying to fight Kamara Usman, which sure that sounds good. I'm fine with that. That sounds yeah. like everybody. Yeah, I think Usman called out him, and he's like, "Yeah, I, that's all. I all I want is big fights because I'm kind of done here, guys. So let's yeah. give me let's give me Usman. Let's see how it goes." Uh, go Kevin Holland, uh, who's already booked to fight. Fuck me, I already forgot who Kevin Holland's booked to fight. Uh, I'll figure that out. But Kevin Holland, they said, well, uh, he says, they asked if you're interested in fighting Ian Gary. He's like, I've said I want to fight Ian Gary. I don't think the UFC is going to let me fight Ian Gary, um, which I also agree with that sentence. Um, he's fighting Jack Della Maddalena. Quite frankly, if he beats if he beats Jack, um, he's above fighting Ian Gary, I think. But that'd be fun. I mean, I'd like to see either one of those guys fight Ian Gary. Jack and Ian would be fun. Kevin and Ian. Those Three in any combination sound like a win. Yeah, let I think you know we talked a lot of shit, Ian. So let's uh, you beat you beat a guy who was ranked. He beat a number. He beat the number twelve guy, right, yeah. or something. He's in it now. Yeah. So fucking here we go. Give him one of the or give him the loser of that fight. Who cares? Um, and I think uh, I think that might be it in terms of news. We might be at picking stuff. Um, just making sure real quickly, to be honest, uh, that I didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, I think that's basically it. All right. UFC going to France. They definitely did this once before, right? Or is this the debut? Because Bellator goes to France all the time now. I'm trying to lose track of whether they've definitely gone to France, to France before. Didn't Gon fight uh, Tui Vasa? Is that what it was? I'm pretty sure. Yes. So. Man, they really. <laughs> really banked on this gone guy being a big part of this France thing. Um, they went to France for Gone versus Tuivasa. That was the only one. All right. Uh, this is kind of a weak sauce card, which goes without saying at this point with a lot of the UFC cards that aren't for money and hell, some of even the ones for money. Um, but there's some good stuff at the top here. And I'm legitimately curious who the fuck this guy, the guy Vulcan Ozdemir's fighting is. Um, because... When you look him up on uh, uh, on certain websites, it's just like he does not look like a real human being. Um, just a guy from Uzbekistan with fight cards no one's ever heard of before. Uh, main event, though, Cyril gone, bouncing back from what would probably just be described as one of the most disastrous championship fights in UFC history. Um, off the top of my head, I don't necessarily think of a lot that are worse than what happened to him there. Because um, while I think Aldo losing to McGregor in 14 seconds was rough, I also think uh, gone losing to in, in a way that we all thought might happen after, you know, it, making it look like he didn't train anything after his last fight with uh, yeah. Nganu was not a good look. Um, so much so that I think the betting line in this one is affected by uh, by people's current perception of Cyril gone. On the other end of it, we got Sergey Spivak, who's strung off three in a row ever since getting his ass whooped by Tommy Aspinall um, back in September 21. He beat Greg Hardy, finished him. Augusto Sakai, finished him. Derek Lewis, finished him. Um, all these in the first or second round. Um, overall, he's won six of seven. Quite frankly, this kid's real good. Um, his UFC record is seven and three. He's only 28, so uh, the polar bear, we're going to be seeing him around for years to come either way, result of this fight. Um, gone. Got flat out embarrassed. 
in again, but in fairness to him, he fought the greatest fighter ever uh, when he fought John Jones back in March. Uh, betting odds for this one is gone minus minus one sixty. Well, sorry, minus one sixty five. We're a bet MGM podcast, right, Mike? Yes, we are. And uh, plus one thirty five for Sergey Spivak. Mike, why don't you give an update to the standings and then make your pick as you are currently in first place by three or four games, I believe. Uh, three, three wins. Yes. Uh, I am on top at 51 and 29. You, Chalk, and Mark are all 48 and 32. So some, some moves were made and I need you to stop saying, oh, you're, you guys aren't catching me because it's not very nice, Bobby. Okay. I think you need to take, take your, your issues up with Ryan Spann. Because if you had acted right, we would not have had you would not have had to dealt with that one. Bruce Leroy, I mean, I feel I've warned everybody about the Ryan Span situation. Like I've lost money continually on Ryan Span. Okay, Bruce Leroy, I understood. Um, Bruce, Bruce Leroy, I knew I was, I was probably throwing away a win. Um, Ryan Span, Anthony, this is more an indictment, I think, on Anthony Smith. He should have beaten Anthony. He Smith. beat so Anthony anyway. Smith. Beat his ass in three minutes the first time. Anyway, go ahead. Who is your yeah, pick, man? Anthony, what do you think? Anthony Smith is old. Um, this is a little bit better than a pick for Cyril Gaon, and I know how good Spivak is, but I was a little surprised by the line myself, just a little bit. What, what, what's your Surpri- pick, though? Surprised that Cyril Gaon wasn't a bigger favorite, or Sir- I thought, surprised I that we, he was a favorite? I thought Cyril would be closer to 200. For a guy who was the... I don't think people are realizing how good Cyril Gaon looked, but for you know yeah. the two minutes against John and the last... Two and a half rounds against Francis. Like, remember you and me almost bet Der- Derek Luce to beat him. Thankfully, we got drunk at that wedding and didn't. Like, oh thank God, he beat his ass like in front of his friends and family for like three rounds and finished him. Like, good fighter. But what do you got? Yeah, I I, I think there's some bias here. Um, just in regards to just how badly he did look against John Jones. For example, going back to Ryan Spawn about, well, <laughs> is he going to fight intelligently, right? You're bitter now. Okay. No, 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 no. Just in this in this aspect, that Ryan Spawn, I think much like Cyril Gan, has a ton of talent. If they can fight perhaps a bit more intelligently, maybe they could get the win. But in Cyril Gan's case, we've seen him beat everyone else. The only thing is that he has one very gigantic hole in his game so it's a matter of well how much is he actually working to shore that up and is he at least finding ways where he can keep it standing um because so far he has shown an inability to do that i am the guy with seven submission wins by the way seven knockout wins and seven submission wins for mr spivak so if i'm sergey i'm not throwing any punches if i don't need to but uh So for me, if Cyril Gan has worked hard on his uh, on his sprawl, I think he wins this fight handily. Um, I, I'm going to take Cyril Gan also. I was going to. I think you knew I was headed there, given how I was framing it necessarily. I still th- I think he's getting a little undervalued here. I th- I'm going to actually put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to bet money on Cyril Gan um, winning this one um, inside the distance um, because I. Don't think this is gonna take five rounds, to be honest. In general, not that I, I think Sergey, Sir, I actually think Sergey Spivak is awesome. I think he's a very, he's a, he's the second best Sergey in this weight class because Pavlovich is the fucking truth. Um, but I don't know, man. I think, um, I think gone. 
I mean, I thought, I thought, I think we all thought he was, I mean, I mean, look, he wasn't like he wasn't working on his grappling and John Jones did what he did. But I think everybody knows, I know this is, this is this man's giant hole he's got to fill. And Sergey's not a division one wrestler. I mean, he'll grapple with you. He can probably get you down if he needs to. But I think, I think Gon is going to be able to out technique him. Like, cause his standup is excellent. His use of angles, everything he's doing, he's an excellent stand-up fighter. Was tuning up the motherfucker who's going to fight the boxing champion for two rounds. Was definitely out winning that fight with uh, Francis. So I'm, I'm going to go with Gone here getting it done. Marcus, what do you think? You think the polar bear gets this done, or are you going to go with Mr. Gone? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going with Gone as well. I mean, I, I understand the hesitation in someone of the line because of you know the performance against John Jones, but um, I think there's a breadth of skill level between a John Jones and a Sergey Spigaf when it comes to the wrestling and that like, I think John Jones could have done what he did to gone to half the guys at light heavyweight. If he chose to wrestle them, I think there's so many times in John Jones fights where he's like, I'm just going to stand with these guys, even though my standup is like compared to his wrestling is atrocious. And, and he's, he's not a bad standup fighter. Like Jones has a lot of natural tools that makes him very, I mean, he's winning, he's been winning kickboxing bouts for the last fucking eight years, basically too. Like I mean, the dude's wrestling is insane. Yeah. The dude's wrestling is like so good. Like I think he would, he would have catapulted himself. I think his career would have been in a completely different direct trajectory if he was able to either utilize his wrestling or decided to, because there's been so many fights where it's like, he gets in a little bit of trouble. I think it was like the, the, uh, like Victor Belfort fight. He almost got armbarred. He's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm done with this shit. I'm finishing this now. Yeah. Like a lot of his most devastating wins are because he takes the guys to the ground. That's why, that's why we all first loved him is we was breaking faces with elbows. <laughs> he, he either demolishes them with elbows or he gets them in submissions. And I think like when, when he fought against gone, he just knew like, this is a big, I'm going up to heavyweight. I can't be fucking around kickboxing with this dude. Let me utilize my skills and just completely demolish them. Can Sergey do that? I don't think it'll be nearly as easy. I think he'll struggle a little bit more to do it. But, like, that's that's the thing. is like You look at this guy's records. Like, he definitely has the ability to get guys down. He's got a lot of finishes with head and arm chokes, which is very different than how Gon got caught with Jones in a transition when he was trying to work his way back up, right? He got taken down. He was trying to use the cage to work back up. And Jones is just too slick. Like, he has 50 different ways to get guillotines and submissions on you and just caught him. Um, I'd be surprised if, if Gon fell this, for that as well. He's a lot of pressure on him. The more I think about it, Mark, like he has to win this. Like this is a big one if he yeah. loses. Like it'd be it's very, in, in especially France. if he loses it, the way he like if he gets tapped oh, out yeah. or something like, or if he like gets taken down at will for five fucking rounds. Like oh my god, it would be a disaster. Yeah. Well, because mm -hmm. I think I think the, the Francis fight was not good, right? Like mm -hmm. Francis is not a wrestler with he's one fucking knee. He did that to with him too. <laughs> like that, that was a that was a bad outing, you know. And then you know the 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 tie the tie to uh, the to fight was like it was a good, fun, entertaining fight, but it was kind of a little like he got tagged a little bit. It was more competitive than I thought it would be for someone who's as skilled on the feet as he is. Um, and then Jones just completely demolished him. So hopefully he's made some of those corrections. Um, it, come next week, if Sergey is able to get it done, I don't think any of us will be surprised if he's like like yeah, this big strong guy was able to manhandle him down. And was able to use top control to get a submission. Like I, that's a very real scenario here. Um, I'm just giving Gon the benefit of the doubt because he has looked really good, and and even on the ground, like sometimes he, you know, he's gotten a couple submissions himself. Like it's not like completely inept down there, but they have been a lot of like heel hooks and kind of like, yeah, stuff you don't I mean, see. Like I mean, this guy, this guy's got a good squeeze too. He's got two arm triangles in the UFC. Yeah, you know, he's strong. He's he big. put he put Ty to sleep. He put Derek Lewis to sleep. Like. Yeah. I know those guys are. I mean, like, I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I don't think I don't think guys are gone. Gone hasn't shown to have a better ground game than either of those two guys. 
Yeah. There's nothing that he's done to show me he's a better grappler than Ty or a better grappler than Derek Lewis. And that, quite frankly, Derek Lewis will just get up. Derek, yeah. The fact that he, he did this, honestly, the fact that he did it to Derek Lewis is making me think like Derek Lewis couldn't use his uh, anti jujitsu, which is, I'm going to just get just up. Just get up. I'm going to just get up. Mike, all of a sudden, I'm questioning all of our stuff here. Like, this is <laughs> um, it's a tough one. Uh, yeah. Um, good. I'm excited for this one, though, man. I'm excited for this and the co main event. After that, I'm not excited for any of it. Um, oh, I may have spaced out, Mark. Who are you picking? Yeah, we all got uh, we, we all got gone. Yeah. Weeping it. Bon Gamin, which stands for good kid. That's that's a shitty name. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Might be something more to them. I mean, the other guy's the polar bear. That's way better. It's great. Quite frankly. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you out on the tundra, that polar bear sees you way before you see it. All right. If you see in a polar bear, you're, you're dead. Yo, there are two fights on Wikipedia that say people are fighting TBA. And like, you know, one of them is bantamweight, one is featherweight. Uh... Assuming they are both of the same gender, let's just have them fight each other at featherweight. I'm just putting that out there. Let's just save everybody the energy. You know? Anyway. Um, this is honestly a fight. Like, the first fight I was I was telling you guys before, I was pretty, I was more confident about. I have no confidence in this one. Um, because that's just the way it is with Rose Namayuna sometimes, man. And uh, we got even more variables this time. It would be just one thing, Mark, to be like, okay, where's Rose, Rose's head at fighting a top five yeah. fighter? After a fight where she lost her, that was a long, that was that long ago. Was her last fight was giving that was giving her belt away basically. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck was happening with her fight with Carla, um, which I listened to her interview with Ariel a few weeks ago, and there was a lot going on mentally there. Um, that was May twenty two, so she is fifteen oh. months out. You know, almost sixteen months out. Uh, you know, it was beginning of May. Uh, moving up to one twenty five. Um, it's an interesting decision, uh, given her her close relationship with the former champion, too, which might produce an interesting result if this goes a certain way and that goes a certain way in a couple of weeks. Um, on the other hand, um, Miss Manon Firo has been quite good, to put it mildly, in the UFC. She has not taken, she is, she showed up five and one. She is now 10 and one. Five and oh, finished victory, Victoria Leonardo, finished Tabitha Ritchie. Decision win over uh, current 135-pound contender, Mayor Bueno, Mayor bueno Silva. Decision win over Jennifer Maya, which I believe former title contender right there. Decision win over blonde fighter herself, my favorite, Caitlin Jukasian, title contender right there. She got two, three, she got at least, I mean, I don't think Mayor, Mayor has fought for a title yet, but three top five wins. You know, maybe in a different weight class for some of them, but two of them against former champions. Nothing to sneeze at here. Um, and uh, still a three-round fight. Rose, as we mentioned, Rose is 11-5, and five, but Rose's 11-5 is a very different 11-5 and five than a lot of people's 11-5, and five, uh, considering she showed up to the UFC 2-1. and one. Um, That fight with Carla was bad. That was real bad. That was one of the worst fights anybody's ever seen, quite frankly. At the end, when they said Carla won, it was like, okay, like, it didn't matter. Um, Mike, your girl Rose, she put on some muscle. Uh, with her, it's always been between the ears, though, with stuff like this. Um, and to that point, you said you'd listen to her uh, yeah. to her interview on the MMA Hour. So, before I make my pick, 
What are your thoughts? What's she what's she looking like? I mean, you're so you're asking me to divulge the homework I've done for this fight. Yeah, that's right. what it sounds that's like. That's right. Okay, that's fair. I don't mind doing that. Um it seemed like she was in a place where she was very anti-violence. And as a she's very religious person and she mm. did not think necessarily it was her place to con- to inflict violence on people. She has since come around to think that maybe uh she has been put on this earth to be a to martial inflict- artist. And this is what her purpose is. And it's not violence. So, this is how she's expressing so, herself. This is her martial artist. She's a martial artist and stuff like that. So that's where she's at there. I did, I, did I, I'm, I'm not hiding the ball. This gave me no confidence one way or the other. It, I, I just came out of this with more questions. Okay. It's like I was, I was listening second. to the fucking Riddler. Wait but this was like three weeks ago, Mike. I'm doing my best. I mean, you Google it for a minute uh, if you want. Okay. <laughs> she, she was not liking the violence part. And then she comes back to, oh, no, no, no. But I'm not doing violence. She I'm said she was close to violence. She, she actually nearly retired. Which is that I'm just practicing my art, which is to uh, put my fucking shin across your temple. I mean, she almost retired. There was that. Oh, um, Jesus. But this woman. is like a new challenge for her. So she didn't feel aggressive. She didn't want to hurt anybody. So. That's where uh, she was at. Pretty important part about you know being a cage fighter. Even with that said, I'm not gonna bet against my girl Rose. Um, I might be giving up more ground though. Well, it won't be to me. I'm I'm going Rose also. Um, and I'm I think I might have watched more of Fioro's fights than both of you. No, I don't know how much Mark said he was doing to go do some homework, so maybe not at this point. And I think she's a good fighter. She's. I would feel better if this was a five round fight. Let me put it like that, because um, Rose tends to finish fights, barring whatever the fuck just happened a year ago. Um, Fioro doesn't. Uh, a lot of technique in there. I was worried about Rose getting muscled up a bit, but Rose looks like she's put on some mass. Man, she looks ready. She looks ready. Uh, I don't think being, you know, being on a, a road game is going to affect her. I don't think anything actually... I think everything for her is entirely a, a self-battle. I don't think anything externally is going to affect where she is mentally. And I'm honestly, quite frankly, I don't know. At all. Um, skill for skill, though, everybody at their best, I think Rose Namajunas is a better fighter. You know? And I'm thinking she's a better fighter, skill for skill, and if she's put on weight properly over the last year, I mean, that might be why part of the reason this is taking this long to come back. I think that she can get this done. Um, betting odds, by the way, I think she's the underdog. We didn't say it, though, did we? She is. Uh, we ha- we didn't, and she is the underdog. Yeah, plus 155, and uh, sorry, plus 145 for Rose. To, for your Rose, minus 175. I'm pretty much telling the tale of redemption on this card, Mark. That's what it is. I am telling the tale between Gone and Rose. I'm going with the redemptive arc here between the two of them. What do you think? Are we going to be three people picking an underdog here, or are you going to make the move on Miss Fioro right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you're right. Like, I have not seen Furo's fights. I don't, maybe even any of them, potentially. <clears throat> I just kept hearing, like, oh, she's really good. And I was like, okay. Um, so I did watch a little highlight video, but it didn't, it was old. It didn't have her last two fights on it. So I didn't get her most recent looks. From what I saw in those first three UFC fights, though, I was impressed. Mm-hmm. Like, she is physically very strong, she's very aggressive. She, you know, is a striker too. And like, she, she's ferocious. Like she really goes after these girls. And I think, like you said, at the beginning of, you know, breaking down this fight, Bob, like there's just, 
a lot of questions with Rose. I mean, outside of just her last performance and how she kind of froze up against Carla and just really didn't look like herself. And we've seen we've seen that a couple of times. You never know when that's going to rear its head. Moving up, you know, it, 10 pounds. And again, we're talking 10 pounds in and of itself might not be too much when you're talking like, you know, 55. Well, I'm trying to think like 45 to 55 or something. I mean, even then it is. But like when you're talking, you know, 115 to 125, like that's a that's a large percent of your mass. Like that's a more percentage of your mass than, you know, some of these higher weight classes. So that's a big concern too. Part of me wants to pick Rose just to play it safe. Cause like, I don't know. And I, I agree with you, Bob, like Rose is extremely talented. And I think, you know, she's talented on the feet. She's very talented on the ground. And that's the one thing with uh figure out. I didn't see in the highlight videos was any of her groundwork. It was all just stand up. It was all her just, you know, hammering, uh, hammering the nails. Um, and it was impressive. I need to get up on Mike, you know, but I don't get up on the chalk. It's like, you know, if I'm not beating both Mike and the chalk, what's the point? I'll be honest. Uh, Mike, who Mike picked here for me did have some impact because this is such a variable of a fight that I was just like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I honestly, like I, I'm, although honestly in my heart of hearts, I do believe Rose is going to win the fight based. This is a lot of it though. Is just me just fucking, you feel, what, what, what do we say, Mike? You feel it in, uh, I feel it in the in, in the flums, you know, plums. one of those. It's not, I mean, it's not that big of an underdog, but like she formed fucking champion. But you yeah. know, that's just like where I'm at. So yeah. I'll go with figure out. We'll just change it up. You know, it's it's not fun. We all pick the same person. There's no movement. Someone's got to be last place. It can't be yeah, all of us. Don't worry. I'm, I'm making my move when I pick Paulo Costa to beat uh, Chimeyev and Charles Oliveira to beat uh, Islam. Sure. It's gonna be it's I gonna be it's gonna be such somehow. a it's gonna be such a disaster in Abu Dhabi. You know they're gonna fucking just not let those guys leave the country. That's what's gonna happen at that point. Um, rest of this card would not pass as a KSW card. To be honest, I expect more from KSW or I actually like KSW and Cage Warriors. This is just anybody French they could put on the card. Um, Benoit Saint Denis might be somebody we should keep an eye on. Um, he's young dude, twenty seven years old. Um. In the UFC, lost his debut, uh, but since then, three straight finishes. Uh, beat one of the Bonfim brothers back in July, but two of those three wins are against people who do not have Wikipedia pages, which is the ultimate measuring stick on this podcast. Um, but a man's got nine, he's got a, he's got a 100% finish rate um, in his wins. Um, nine submission wins. So if you're hitting the book and you want to think he's going to win, I mean, inside the distance seems like the way to go. Just, you know. Just my two cents. Um, considering he's minus 155 overall, Mike, I'm going to guess inside the distance, you could probably get a little around uh, plus 150, plus 160-ish. You know, just saying. Mm. If you it's think not he's bad. Like, not bad. Everybody else, I'm just looking at the UFC website. They just put anybody French they got. I just don't know who these people are on uh, on any level. Um, but, you know, maybe this will be where we do. No, I know Vulcan owes Demir. That wasn't fair. I do know Vulcan Ozdemir. Do not know who the fuck this guy from Uzbekistan is. He's fighting. And then uh, just, yeah, not great. Uh, this is the UFC's, uh, this is also happening earlier in the day because we're in uh, France. I think the cards are like at noon 12. in the West Coast. Yeah. So, is that West Coast 12, right? I'm assuming. Uh, and uh, we do have the long weekend, so. We used to have big events on these long weekends, but or I don't now know. we have event in France. Yeah, whatever. You know, we'll watch the wrestling on Sunday. You know. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, nothing going on with Bellator. 
nothing going on with PFL. Um, I think uh, I thought there was a one card, and now I see that there's you know not. There usually always is. There was one last week. <laughs> um, but the, the week after this is Adesanya and Strickland, uh, which. Whew, I mean, I think Izzy Adesanya is maybe the number one pay-per-view draw right now. But, man, this shit falls. He seems to be doing everything possible to hype this fight. He's do- dude, he's doing his best. He's doing his best. Uh, before they have to sell, what are they going to sell it as? This guy who, on paper, does not appear to have the advantage in any aspect of this sport, um, who's a former neo-Nazi who still says wild shit, is going to try to go win this fight. And what else are they going to sell this thing on, huh, Mark? Like, this is, again, Sean could win, I guess. He could win. Just right now looking at it, I can't tell you Sean does anything better than Izzy Adesanya. Sure, it would be, maybe not like the biggest upset ever, but like. Right now, right now, Izzy's minus 500, and I thought that, like, let's put it this way. Max was minus 800 against Zombie. I thought Zombie had a better chance of winning that fight than I thought. Sure. Because in my head, Zombie can at least hit you with something. Sean doesn't hit that hard. Okay? Like, look, again. Sean Strickland will beat my ass, Mike's ass, Mark's ass, everybody we know's ass. Whoa, whoa. Easily, okay? Yourself. Probably say some unkind things to Mike, you know, while he's doing it, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, he's not going to have anything to say to the Iranian? I mean, he's not going to like, he's probably going to say some other stuff about me having earring holes, too. That might be an issue as well, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, he's going to have jabs for all of us, physically yeah. and mentally. He's going to call Mark stuff. a dirty hippie or something, probably. Yeah. Uh, he's going to probably pull his, he's going to bring his mail getting gun, because he's going to think Mark looks homeless with his beard, is what's going to be the case. That's going to be it right sure. there. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. taking shots at you, Mark. Jesus. That's fair. I, uh, look, I'm not a perfect human being. Sean Strickland probably has lots of issues. Yeah, and then, uh, by the way, that's the main event. As a person. Just to, as a reminder, the co-main event is tied to Ivasa versus Alexander Volkov, which, as a co-main event, is already fucking rough. And then in, and then in the feature bout, we have lost uh, Kaikara France, who, shout out to him making the right decision for his career. Got a fucking concussion. Got knocked out in. Uh, got knocked out in uh, practice. So mm-hmm. instead, we got um, Felipe Dos Anjos, who's seven and zero, and ain't never fought in the UFC before, fighting Manel Cop. And people like Manel Cop. A lot of his fights fall through, and this is not going to be the fight where we learn Manel Cop's all that good or not, Mark. Despite you know, I'm just saying. Unless you know. this guy's a prodigy or something. Yeah, you know, it's going to be hard measuring. Eighteen stick. and six, Manel Cop. All right, uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'm gonna go first because I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Bray Wyatt real quick and Terry Funk. Um, this is a rough week for losing celebrities in general. We also lost uh, the legend himself, Bob Barker. Um, it's impressive to live as long as Bob Barker did, and not a single person say anything bad about you. And like. Man literally just hosted this show and told people to, hey, man, spay your pets, spay and neuter your pets. He was really committed about not, you know, about pet, about population control with pets, you know? And no one I think, and then Bob Barker also part of what I think was the best Adam Sandler movie ever. Um, at least that style of Adam Sandler movie, you know, the Happy Madison ones. Um, they fucking named the production company out of, after one of these movies, one of the two good ones. Uh, Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore. I don't imagine people hadn't seen this uh, movie. You know, maybe. I don't know. My girlfriend had it. I told her you need to watch Happy Gilmore. 
Because um, I would understand why Adam Sandler still is, is this rich. I feel Happy Gilmore is one of those reasons. <laughs> and Bob Barker was excellent in it. Um, Terry Funk, Marcus, um, you know, what do you say about a man like Terry Funk who almost had two different wrestling careers? Like one where he was like a regular ass, normal pro wrestler in the 70s and 80s. And then they said, Terry, you want to retire? He's like, nah. We're just going to do some fucking wild ass shit in Japan. We're going to go to this little company in Philadelphia called ECW and headline their first pay-per-view. I'm going to come back to WWE wearing a fucking stocking on my face with a chainsaw for some reason and call myself Chainsaw Charlie. You know, I'm going to show up at Hell in the Cell and get literally choke slammed out of my shoes by The Undertaker just to give Mick time. Goddamn legend, man. I was I was like Terry Funk. I always really enjoyed yeah. Terry Funk. Um, yeah, those Japanese death matches were absolutely insane. You know, if, if if you don't know who Terry Funk is, you look at like what that dude has accomplished, how long he's been around, how he's. I, I think was he on like he was in some of those documentaries. Like he has no. He knees. was in like Beyond the, the Mat. I remember. Yeah. Like his, he has no knees for the last twenty years, and he's still doing all the crazy shit he was. I, it was I, it's one of those. Yeah, I don't think he retired. Things was like I don't know ago. how he was. Yeah. It, as old as he was just because like how does the body well, he li- like he lived to 79 and quite frankly i was just like eh, fucking given what he did to himself I mean, 79 yeah. doesn't sound that old but like for what this guy that's did ancient and wrestlers yeah. yeah and then finally um it was really just a heartbreaking story and tmz got the details of how it went down necessarily uh we lost windham rotunda um known as Bray Wyatt in the WWE, um, 36 years old, a man who was a creative, quite frankly, genius, I think, um, that was rare to see, uh, especially in modern wrestling where a lot of guys are just like, you know, you come up to the system and you do whatever you're told and stuff, and you really couldn't do that with Bray, man, and uh, his character of Bray Wyatt. It went some interesting places, and not all of it was perfect, Mike, but, like, I, you know, it's really sad that his last appearance on Monday Night Raw was The Undertaker basically passing the torch to him, you know, and saying, you're, that's you now. Like, you're able to be the character that is so weird, we buy it, you know? Like, it's hard to do that in wrestling now. You know, Undertaker, when he said he was in The Undertaker in 1991, he scared a bunch of children walking to the ring. We all thought he was really dead. Like, there's a real dead person out here. You know, Bray's out here doing the, like, this the wildest, like, horror movie shit. And then he's like, that match with John Cena they did. Um, but that was amazing. That was the most, that's one of my favorite wrestling matches ever. And it was, like, the most meta shit that's, like, they've ever put on the air. That, like, you knew the pandemic was a fucked time when Vince was like, okay, Bray, fucking whatever. You want to put John Cena out there in an NWO shirt for no reason? Okay, let's, let's do it. Um and Justin, man, he dies, and like you know, he. I saw an interview with him where he said he could never go back to being the old Bray Wyatt after Brody died. You know, the original like swamp Florida swamp kind of Bray Wyatt, because like he's like, ah, I was, I can't do that without Brody. And you know, they showed like Braun Strowman and Eric Rowan, that picture of them at the you know tribute show, where I'm like, man, they just call Eric Rowan now, like you know, he doesn't work for WWE, he didn't work for AEW. They just call him one of his fucking best friends die. You know, we need you to come to TV. One of your best friends died. We're going to do a tribute show. Fucking, it was, it was real sad, man. And uh, the way Seth Rollins talked about him was really sweet. 
if you can find that clip online, you know, um, on on Seth's Twitter. And Seth was, you know, very close to both Bray and he was close to Brody too. Just fucking tragic. And I just saw that Seth went out there on TV today and had his the plates on the side of his chai, you know, modern day wrestling now, Marcus, all the belts just say fucking WWE across the fucking thing. That's what the belts look like now. So the way they differentiate it is you have like a side plate that they do personalize for whoever's champion. And it normally just says their name or their logo. And Seth Rollins changed it out. And now it's just a picture of Bray Wyatt for his side plates. So really sweet. And um, just transitioning into the AEW pay-per-view, which was excellent, quite frankly. Really good show. Uh, Max, whatever MJF wants, pay him. By the way, you can't let this man leave. He's too good at this age to let him leave. But the thing they did were like, you know, they came out with the lantern. The... um. The House, House of Black, Black did, and like any time, and then like the lights were off, and everybody was playing, putting up their cell phone lights, which is referred to as their Braze Fireflies, and the announcers talking about it, like Excalibur was flat out, flat out talking about it, and you know I'm reading right now that there's like uh, there's going to be some absences on AEW this week. Uh, Tony Khan says, you know, if you guys want to go to Braze funeral, you know, which I guess is Wednesday or sometime this week, that they would miss the show on Wednesday. He's like, hey, you guys go ahead, man, you know. This is, uh, they got a real brotherhood with these wrestlers, you know, that you see more and more. And it's just when one of them goes and, um, Ariel said something like no, but no group of performers is asked to perform in the wake of tragedy as often as professional wrestlers. And I'm just like thinking, Mark, the number of fucking pro wrestling tribute shows that I've like seen, like, I'm just thinking about like the Owen Hart one and the fucking Eddie Guerrero one. There was the Brody one. There was... Fucking the Chris Benoit one, which we're never going to see the light of day again. Because, you know, they didn't know what they were tributing at that point. But, sure. like, it's a lot of these, man. And, you know, it's like the wrestlers now who die. Like, he, Bray apparently died because he had COVID. And it fucked up his heart. And then, uh, you know, it impacted it in such a way that he had a heart attack in his, uh, in his sleep. And he wasn't, he was wearing, like, a defibrillator normally. And he wasn't wearing it. Like, an automatic, like, defibrillator thing. And dude had four kids. His uh, two kids with his first wife, and he had two kids with his partner, um, Jojo Offerman, former ring announcer, um, and daughter of former MLB baseball player Jose Offerman, which, interesting fact to learn, I guess, right there. She's 29 years old with two toddlers, you know? So hopefully, you know, I'm reading that the WWE said any proceeds off of any merch they sell for Bray is going to go straight to the family, which, you know, you like to hear that and stuff, so... Um, not really something I like, obviously, that something tragic happened, but he was such a, you could tell how much people loved him and seeing whenever the wrestling community comes together to talk about how much they like a guy and stuff. It's, it's great to hear. And then, um, that pay-per-view Mike was excellent. I mean, they put 81,000 fucking people in Wembley. It's the largest professional wrestling crowd, largest paid professional wrestling crowd ever, um, is what we got in London. Very impressive. Yeah. Good for them. So, and um, no bad matches, which is hard to put on a show and have no stinkers. So, and main event was excellent. Fucking tag match was excellent. Tag title match with FTR and uh, Young Bucks. The crowd chanting, Cash has got a gun. Probably, probably wasn't necessary. You know, like oh, Jane, no, like Jane's, that's, like, that's like, good. like Jane's, you know, like uh, Janie's got a gun type thing. Janie's got a gun. Yeah, that was like, you know. And then um, all these people who hate the Young Bucks gonna have something new to gonna have to find something new to say, Mike, because they put over the FTR clean 
in the biggest event of their lives. Gave them the rubber match in front of all those people. So people thought people were so sure the Young Bucks were going to win too. They're like, oh, they just resigned. They probably said we have to win the titles or something like that. Because uh, people are just looking for shit in wrestling at this point to hate people for. There's plenty of reasons to hate people. You don't need to make up new reasons. Okay. <laughs> Look, if you're if you're an EVP and a wrestler at the same time, that can either go one of two ways. Either you're using your position just to make yourself the greatest res- res- one of the greatest wrestlers on the card, and you never lose. That's how it goes ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. Or you recognize that there's a bigger pic- picture, and getting everyone else over. And with your position of power is probably a good idea. Yeah, you know, fucking Kenny's Kenny's shoulders were down for three two on Sunday. Um, Takeshita uh, pinned him. Granted, they're going one on one next weekend. I don't know if it's gonna happen again. Um, but yeah, excellent show. And then you know, man, shout out Bray Wyatt, man. Uh, one of the really cool things that I you know coming becoming a wrestling fan again was seeing his character, and me just thinking, wow, you know. Something like that is out there on WWE TV. And I think we all missed out on him having a heel run in Japan. Because, Mike, that would have been sick. Because they would have let him do whatever he wants. And he could have been such a good bad guy in Japan. You know, they would have, they would, they, they love that type of shit that he pulls with like that. Like, they have stuff like, you know, different versions of dudes who are evil and stuff going on in Japan. They will fucking, you know, lean into that stuff. But rest in peace to him, man. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, after that, everything else just kind of seems... I didn't mean to bring it uh, down. Back to, like, the excellent <laughs> wrestling show, though. It was really, like, the sh- actual thing I liked was the excellent show. Watched with you. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I guess the only thing I will mention, it's, uh, I started really getting into playing Baldur's Gate. I... Within the last week, I set up my gaming PC, um, and I've been haven't been able to play that much over the last week, just because you know life tends to get in the way. But this past weekend, I was able to able to play a fair amount. Also, very much appreciated that I kind of lost all concept of time while I was playing yesterday, and. Um, while in my bedroom, my girlfriend just goes, hey, can I just turn off this TV and go to bed? And I responded with, wait, what time is it? So, thoroughly enjoying Baldur's Gate. What time was it, though? Uh, I thought it was like 10, maybe 10 o'clock. I thought in just in my head. Mm-hmm. And when she asked if he could just, she could just turn off the TV because she wanted to go to bed... Uh, when I looked, it was maybe like 11.50. Okay, okay. Fair, fair. Marcus? Uh, yeah, I got a handful of things. Um, we're starting to come into that time where, you know, a lot of, I mean, overall, 2023 has been a really good game, uh, year for games. Like, like Michael's talking about, Baldur's Gate has been a huge one that came out last month on PC. It's coming out in a couple weeks on uh, PS4, and it's going to come on Xbox later this year. They... There was a whole thing with Xbox. They couldn't. Um, they have to have the same version on S and X, or the two different, you know, variants. And they couldn't do the split screen on the weaker one, so they weren't going to be able to release it. Now they're going to do it without split screen. Like Microsoft's going to allow them to do that, so it's going to come on later. Um, but even before then, a lot of stuff's been cracking. I mentioned last week, uh, Armor Core Six from FromSoft, who've done all the Souls games and Elden Ring. 
this was their uh, mech combat game that you know started back on like the PS2 generation. It's been 10 years since they'd done an Armor Core game. Uh, that came out. Um, I got a chance to play it a little bit, and I really enjoyed it. I'm not an Armor Core fan. I haven't really, I hadn't played any of the older games before. Um, but I always thought mech combat games were kind of fun. This is a much faster pace compared to some of the old PC ones called like uh, Mech Warrior, which were more slow, kind of tanky ones. Um, I only put a couple hours in. It, it's been really fun, um, but challenging too. You know, FromSoft is kind of known for not holding your hand. And one of the the very first stage you have, you have to fight and, and beat a boss, which is kind of a FromSoft staple. Um, a lot of the Souls games will have a boss in the very beginning of the game where you're supposed to lose. Um, and this one, you can't lose. You have to beat it. So it was a little challenging. Um, once you get past that and you kind of get into the main structure of the game, um, it's a lot more forgiving until you start reaching some of these other bosses that are going to have some of those same kind of uh, uh, difficulty curves. Um, outside of Armor Core that just came out, though, um, when you guys are listening to this, there's a really interesting um, J- indie JRPG that's coming out called uh, Sea of Stars. This is from the developers that made The Messenger. Um, it's kind of a throwback to the 16-bit era of, like Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG. I mean, I say it with a lot of these indie games, like the pixel art is just fucking beautiful. And then this is probably one of the standouts where I think like visually, this really just looks like, you know, one of the best pixel art games I've seen in quite some time, especially what they've done with the lighting effects. Um, and, you know, it's very much a throwback to Chrono Trigger style RPGs where you see the enemies on the screen. Um, and then even Super Mario RPG where you have a little bit more interactivity with the combat system where you have to do certain button prompts to attack more or defend um, just looks really good. Um, and then later this week, they are releasing some DLC for um, Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I think it's like eight bucks. You get you see uh, Usaga Yojimbo, who is I mean, I've talked about Usagi Yojimbo. I love his fucking comics. They're so good. Stan Sakai, who's been doing it for like 30 years, writes and draws all of them is just like probably the most like underrated comic creator i think in our industry that like no one talks about because like he's just been doing his thing and his stuff is so freaking good he gets like no credit um so that character has been you know part of teenage mutant ninja turtles he's the rabbit samurai and then there's a there they just re- talked about there's another character i can't remember what her name is it's like shredder's daughter um who's i can think a character that was in the old series but came back in the newer series and has been kind of popular and they're adding her to the game as well, and, and a new mode, which is kind of like a Karay, mode. Karai? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think that's her name. Um, so she's going to be in the game too, and then they're having like a horde mode where you kind of, you know, on a single stage being a bunch of people. I think you earn currency to get different palette swaps for the different characters. Um, so I think that's really cool DLC, and that leads into, I was finally able to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem movie, and probably the last week it's going to be in theaters. I, I was literally about on. to ask you if you've seen the flick, by the way, with you talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were we were planning to this whole time, and then we got COVID. Um, we were going to see it with my brother-in-law, and this last weekend, we were we wanted to see it, and there's like literally one theater in Concord that was still showing it. And I think it's because, I think it's coming out on Paramount um, next week, or at the end of this week. <sighs> I'm gonna and Paramount. I really encourage you, if you haven't already seen it, like, it's really fun. I really had a good time watching that movie and i think you know if you saw the trailers for it i think visually the style they're going for was that in and of itself was very captivating where i mean you could kind of draw comparisons to you know what they did with um spider-man and across the spider-verse or i forget what those titles were called but it's very much into the spider-verse and across the spider-verse i think are the two right 
but it, it is different in its own because it's very much like it, they look like sketches almost and like the way they draw characters and the imperfections of the humans and how they have like weird facial features and stuff like that there's a lot of just interesting visual choices that not only went on like visually how things are displayed the way they set up shots the way they move the camera around um soundtrack is fucking awesome i mean i it makes sense given who i think they're trying to target this for which is really tough because i think teenage mutant turtles has been around for so long there have been a lot of iterations that have kind of hit different generations and i think this one is geared to hit a lot of them including our generation which was mostly like late 80s early 90s the cartoon in the first couple movies um because the soundtrack is very much east coast hip-hop from the 90s and 80s tribe wu-tang um stuff like that and i think it goes extremely well with you know what they're trying to like visually portray here but it's also very modern right and, and that's there's a couple times in the movie where like obviously these corporations are all together so they kind of do this brand synergy where they're just using pop culture a, to be like a spoiler alert real quickly fucking the vanilla ice ninja rap song is in there isn't it i mean do you want me to tell you you don't because i heard it was that's why i said spoiler alert but like i heard yeah. that it was okay yeah it, it has a little they have they, they they have a nod in there for that mike you're muted um and then and then there's lots of little was like, um mike trying know, to say pop something. culture yeah we got mike. So, sorry uh, i was gonna say uh Normally, when you're going to hit people with a spoiler alert, maybe give a breath in between spoiler alert and then the spoiler. Dude, we are an hour and 40 minutes into this podcast. It's a kid's I'm talk- movie. I'm talking about me. Maybe I I didn't want to know that. <laughs> okay. Well, Bobby just said he saw it. So he, I wasn't, that wasn't even the plot, okay? I had no chance to take Flash out yet? my headphones. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did watch Flash. Okay. It, was, it was garbage. Dagarian snare spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I I would say I enjoyed Ninja Turtles a lot more, and there was there I had a couple story issues where I think like some things were resolved a little quicker than it seemed realistic. But overall, it's just, like, uh, the, the cast is, is interesting because it's like they got like I think they got like real voice actors to play like the turtles. Like I because I'm saying they're that because like they're actual teenage kids. Okay, because I have no idea who these fucking people are, or April, no. or the person voicing April, or the actually the girl. Now that I look at her face, she looks familiar. Uh, the one voicing it. Oh, the girl from the bear is voicing April. That's why I know her. But like, I'm looking then after that, it's just like Maya Rudolph, John Cena, Seth Rogen, right. Rose. They got Byrne, all the celebrities, you know. For the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of mutants, right? And it, and honestly, they can get a lot of celebrities because like they're not a big part of the movie, right? Like they didn't have they weren't spending days in the booth. It was like, hey, John Cena, can you give us like you know thirty minutes of? Some, I, I like Cena and Rogen are Rocksteady and Bebop though. I, I enjoy that uh, that duo together. Yeah, I mean, I will say overall, like I kind of miss not having the Foot Clan and Shredder. It's more about you know, it, it, there's a little there, there's a bit of origin and and the origin is a little different. You know, this is a different take on like the turtles and and uh, you know. Us, splinter and stuff like that but yeah i just really enjoyed it like it was definitely at the end of this movie not only that i want like enjoy it but it's like i want to watch it again like that was visually like really a fun watch and it's like i need to check this out again so i'm glad it's i think it's coming out on vod and paramount at like the end of this week so if you missed it in theaters which i guess a lot of people did like i heard it did not do super good which was kind of disappointing because it looked really cool like it was checking Dude, all my the boxes theatrical I, runs are, I think the theatrical runs are much shorter now because i mean this one did seem short and it kind of got ran over by Barbie and Oppenheimer, too. Dude, like, Oppenheimer was wasn't that. Remember coming. I told you I was looking at Oppenheimer showings? I'm like, why are there such few showings of this? And, like, the rush to get it to, like, a streaming service with a lot of these is, like, 
I guess. I bet Oppenheimer but, is going to be on fucking Max in the next two on Max in like two months. I bet or something. Sure. You know, it's going to be. But like I would. That. I mean, I don't know if you have Paramount. It's probably not the most popular um, streaming yeah, service. Coming out. Frazier's if, coming out next month. I'll have Paramount next month. Okay. <laughs> if, if you got it, I definitely recommend checking it out. Like I, I want to own it. Like this is something like I'll, I'll get some kind yeah. of stupid digital version that they'll take from me in five years when the platform goes away. But like I want to watch it again. Yeah, Mike. How do we put in requests for things we want to show up on? Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't, don't want to get Paramount just for Frasier. Uh, who do we talk to? Uh, how do we make this happen? I'm not sure. I don't have anyone like that in my Rolodex. Of course. You know, someone who has an access. Man, all the still images and the description of Frasier show is just like, feels like this is going to be Kelsey Grammer complaining about modern life. And I'm like, where's Niles? Do you think he'll still be hosting a radio show? I think he's hosting a podcast. I can just bet. I'm willing to bet money on him hosting a podcast. Like, given what we're where we're at now, maybe a YouTube show. You know, something live where he can take calls. I'm listening. Um. All right. It's been a long podcast. Um. Longer than expected. Quite frankly, some of that was my fault. Uh. Probably a lot of it. I'm the host. But we'll be back next week, and we're going to preview UFC. Uh. I forgot the number. Two hundred and ninety-three. Uh, literally just read a quote from uh, Izzy Adesanya that called this call that said, he's an idiot. I'm not going to lose to an idiot. He says he's not going to lose to a guy that jerks off to cartoons or paints his nails. Well, I'm going to paint my nails for that fight, and I'm going to knock him out with my painted nails. Interesting. We are, he has not committed to, not, to jerking off the cartoons before knocking him out. Um, I've, had a, I've had that vision of having my nails painted, knocking him out, and just showing my nails to the camera like, look, with my frosted tips. I knocked his bitch ass out. Feel that's going to happen. All of this seems like the likely scenario for what we see in about uh, 10 days, 11 days. And uh, then he celebrates later on that night from that knockout with some tentacle porn. Yeah, I think that's basically what he's saying here because he has not addressed the <laughs> you, jerking you, off the cartoons. You're the part. champ. You do whatever you want. Yeah, man, you jerk <laughs> off right. to all the cartoons you want if you're going to knock out people with the time for the title. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Uh, you know, you got it all today. Talked about some unfortunate passings, passings, and then you know, Mike gave our Mike and I get you know confirmed jerking off to cartoons on the agenda for the middleweight champion. Um, until then, <laughs> until next week. I was Doctor Law. That was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. Thank you all so much. Happy retirement, zombie. Peace out. See ya. Never really understood tentacle. I mean, not the king shame. People like whatever they like, bro. You know. Hey, no shame in their game. I'm just well, saying I don't get it. Well, I don't understand. Like, really, I got cartoon porn is one step, and then from cartoon porn, you take the next step, which is the tentacle porn. So there's multiple things I'm not necessarily getting. But hey, man, do you do you? The bondage thing, right? They're getting tied up with tentacles. Oh, I can't stop the tentacles. <laughs> I don't know. We can end with that. Thank you. Peace out. <laughs>